that that is the safest way to go. The problem with that is, is that you, whom you are obeying always, you are not omnipotent, you are not omniscient, you are not omnipresent, you don't know the beginning from the end, you're not eternal, you, you just don't have the scope and you don't have the understanding in order to provide good counsel for your life all the time. You don't have the right stuff for that. And so, while it may appear to be safe, ooh, I won't get mixed in with the wrong one. Uh, what actually happens is you are the wrong one, and that's part of the problem. And so, we look for someone who is worthy. We look for someone who has proven himself worthy of our trust, worthy of our faith, and worthy of our obedience, and that would be God. And so that's why we make a decision, a conscious, well-informed decision to do what he tells us to do, to obey him. So I, I wanted to just start with that. And so we get down to this verse here, and he's talking about this, he wants us to know something, know something in our heart. And so there, there's something about this that's a, that's a strong statement in that it's not, you don't know about it and you're not just kind of thinking about it or it's not something you've heard. What he's calling us to is a place where we actually know some things in our heart. And he gives us exactly what he wants us to know in our heart in this verse. And there's a reason why he wants us to know this. He wants us to own this. He wants us to have a hold of it, something that we can call upon, something that we can look back to, something that we can actually take hold of in our life. We know it. It's done. You think about certain things in your life that you just know. Right? Uh, way back when, I know when I was in school, this was the case, we had to memorize our multiplication tables. Did you have to memorize your multiplication tables? You know, like that 1 through 12 ones? Like 3 times 3 is what? Okay, why? How do you know that? Right. You know, you know that because you, you're memorizing it. All right? And it's something you know. And, and there's, there's other things that you just know. And, and you know it because you had to memorize it. And you had to, to come to an understanding of it. Without making any political statement. When did Columbus discover America? 1492. Right. How do you know that? Right, right. I don't care how you remember it. It's memorized. You know it. You know that stuff. There's all kinds of things we know. And, and we need to take seriously when Jesus or, or when the, the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures will say to us, know this. Just as serious as we took, as we took Miss Abernathy in third grade who told you to know three times three. Because Miss Abernathy was a fine woman and she did her job. All right? But God is saying you need to know this. And so just as sure as you know three times three, we're looking to know this. It's important. That's what he's trying to say. Because later on in life, you need to know three times three for other reasons. Later in life, and, and I remember all through uh, college, I had to be taking exams and Back then, we didn't have calculators that were computers or phones that were computers. We had calculators that were calculators, and that's all they did. And I had a, I had a broken-ass calculator my final year of college that the equals key on the little calculator just busted off, right? So I had to stick a pencil in it to get the equals because I can't get my fat finger in it. And that's how I graduated with that. But I had to know certain things like three times three. Because I'm not going to stick a pencil into my calculator to get three times three. I got bigger fish to fry. But it kept coming up. Five times two kept coming up. Three times three kept coming up. Right? And so because they kept coming up, and I would be going through a test or whatever it was, I can remember thinking to myself, and maybe I'm a weirdo because I'm 21 years old or 20 years old, thinking to myself, but man, I'm glad I know that one. Yeah. 
Well, this is one of those things. Why do you need to know this? Because it's going to come up again. Why do you need to know this? Because it, it, you're going to use it at some point in the future. And so usually he says, know this in your heart, that you can trust your Heavenly Father. That's basically what he's saying. Not to give it all away or anything, but that's basically what he's saying. And you need to know what the Bible has to say about your Heavenly Father. You really do. You need to have something in your heart, locked away in your heart, to, to understand this is the God that I serve, and this is the God that, that really I am obeying here. Because the Word of God is food for your soul. And you need to eat it, the Word of God, on a regular basis. And of course, I'm speaking figuratively. I don't want you to slice up your Bible and eat it, necessarily. But what I'm saying is, is that that Word that He gives us, and that Word that we have, and that Word that is on our devices or in that book that we carry around, it's food for our souls. It's really food for our souls. And so to devour that and to... And to take hold of that is important for us because it feeds us and we're fed so we grow. We have fuel to operate and fuel to do the things that God tells us to do. Fuel to build our bodies, build our muscle, our spiritual muscle. you got to fuel it or you can't build it. And so that's the food that we have. That's the fuel that we have comes in the form of His Word. And sometimes that Word is in the Scripture. Most of the time for me it's in the Scripture. Sometimes it's in a prophetic Word that I've received that I go back over time and time again to remind myself of what God has said. Sometimes it's in a Word of encouragement. Sometimes it's in the form of a song. I was thinking the other day, there's days when I go out to hike and I'm, I'm hiking for hours and I have the same song in my head for hours. We were singing one of those songs on Sunday and it occurred to me that how many hours have I spent singing the same song over and over and over again and letting it just feed my soul. That that word is just feeding my soul. Now that really is bad though when you sing the wrong word or something over and over again for like five hours. Then it's hard to fix. But if you're pretty sure about it and you're rolling with it, Whatever. I don't lead songs anyway most of the time, so it really doesn't matter too much if I got the wrong word. But it feeds my soul. So I'm going to do that. And so knowing, and, and there's a little kind of expansion on the meaning of the word know this, is to consider in your heart and frequently think of, to weigh in your mind, and to consider deliberately. And so that's something that that's up to you. That's up to me. If something is important enough, like like God says, this is important enough. Know this in your heart, what we're looking at tonight. That you need to consider it, frequently think about it, weigh it in your mind, and deliberately consider it in your active thought. That's what you need to do. If you're serious about it. If you believe Him that this is important enough that you need to know this in your heart, then you'll do those things. You'll do those things. And here's what you need to know. This is what you need to know. God trains you. He trains you. And He's in the business of training you and educating you in your life. He wants to do it more, if you'll let him. We let everybody else educate us. You think about that. You know, and I don't know what you're involved in right now, but you know, those of you that went to high school, then you, you just entrusted, and the state entrusted, and your parents entrusted, and you entrusted your education to whoever those people were. You allowed them to train and educate you. You went to college, you paid good money for those people to train and educate you. Those of you that have had jobs where you have to take continuing education credits or, or medical credits or whatever, then you're entrusting that to whoever that is, some unnamed source at a website 
or some person that you'll never meet your entire life or whatever it is and you go through whatever they send you to go through and you write down your answers and you get your credit and that's it but you're entrusting that education to them your education to them or it could be a podcast or it could be whatever it is that you do to educate yourself it could be the United States Marine Corps Pam and Uncle Sam's misguided children are educating you on a regular basis. And so I want you to consider that we do allow people to train us. In fact, we seek out people to train us. We pay people to train us. We do. To educate us. Well, God wants to. And God is in the business of training and educating you. Could you imagine that if you were more aware of that, how much better it would go? No, really. If you were more aware, if you gave any consideration to the fact that God is training you and God is educating you, if you're more aware of that and more participatory in it, how much better would that go? Probably a lot better. What, well, what would happen if he, he recog, not only recognized it, not only thought about it every now and then, but then actually participated in it and didn't go about it kicking and screaming and resisting it? Then how much better would it be? A lot better. Because some of us, we're kickers and screamers. And if something just doesn't go the way we think it's supposed to go, rather than consider this may be God teaching me something, rather than consider this may be God showing me something, this may be a point of revelation, this may be a point of growth, this may be a point of change in my life that the Holy Spirit is actually teaching me right now, and instead of valuing the moment, we kick and scream against it. Kind of that question that Jesus asked Paul after he knocked him off his horse and made him blind on the road to Damascus. How long will you kick against the goads? And it took knocking him off his horse and him being blind for him to finally, finally stop kicking and screaming against Jesus and the revelation he wanted to bring into his life. What's your road to Damascus? You know, unfortunately, even some of us have been kicked off our horse and, and spiritually are somehow blinded and we're still kicking and screaming. We didn't learn any lesson whatsoever. It's time to reconsider that for your life, for your well-being, for the people around you's well-being, for your mental stability. It's good. It'd be good to reconsider that there are times in our life that you need to go under the assumption, you need to know this in your heart, that God is educating you and training you. He is. That's what He does. And you want to participate in that? You want to recognize it? You want to stay open-minded toward it? Do it. It's going to go a lot better than you just resisting it all the time. It can't be good. That can't be good for your bank account. That can't be good for your mental stability. That can't be good for the people that are around you. That can't be good for the people you work with or the people you go to school with. To actively resist what God is teaching you and what God is training you all the time can't be good for anything. You see, the wilderness for the children of Israel, that was the school of discipline for them. That's how they're being trained. Forty years. Forty years, because the hope, all their hope was put into a new generation that would be raised in that wilderness in the school, in that school of discipline. And when the time came, after that 40 years, and that new generation was raised up in that school of discipline, in that school that God led them through, in that train that God led them through, they entered that promised land and they were ready for what stood in front of them. The prior generation was not ready. They didn't go to school. They went to the school of slavery. They went to the school of hard knocks in Egypt. They went to the school of garlic and leeks. Okay, that was their school. 
and the generations that had come before them, the 400 years that had come before them, had trained them in that school of Egypt, in that school of slavery. And that's what they knew. And they were not ready to go into a land and take that land. They weren't ready. They were too afraid. They were too afraid to take their rightful place. They were too afraid to take their rightful inheritance. They were too afraid to take hold of what God had for them. And they resisted it. And so they were put out into the school of that wilderness, that school of discipline, and a new generation raised in that school was raised up. They weren't raised in the school of slavery. They weren't raised in the school of Egypt. They were raised in the school of miraculous manna every morning. They were raised in the school where water would come from a rock. They were raised in the school where God led them with a pillar of, of smoke and a pillar of fire. And where God's dwelling place was in their midst. That's how they were raised. They were raised hearing from God from a man that would go into the very presence of God and would come out with the glory of God on him so hard that he would be glowing. That's what they were raised in. That's what they knew. They were raised to fight. They were raised to go to battle. They were raised to be victorious. They were raised to trust God with their very survival on a daily, weekly, and monthly, and yearly basis. That's how they were raised. And they were ready when the time came. But that's God teaching. That's the Holy Spirit teaching. And that's them receiving any idea of training, and I want to say this too, any idea of training, and it necessitates this, it necessitates, it necessarily implies time. Training, educating, is not instantaneous. We don't have any way to just drop knowledge into your brain. We don't have any way to drop experience into your brain. We don't have any way, we don't have a little microchip that will instantly give you what you need to know in any given situation. I know in the Matrix they just downloaded it into the guy. Remember that? I know Kung Fu. That guy? Yeah, you can't do that. If you really want to know Kung Fu, how long do you think that's going to take? Years. It takes years and years of discipline and practice to know Kung Fu. Because that's the way it is. I mean, it would be nice if they could download it through a probe that sticks in the back of our head directly into our brain. But we don't have that. We don't. And so it necessitates, any kind of education, any kind of training necessitates and implies time. It can't be done in that moment. Okay, I'd like somebody to read Proverbs 13.24. All right. Yeah, and, and that verse, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, every jerk parent that wants to beat their kids uses that verse. That's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is talking about a relationship between a parent and a child and describes a love that the parent has for that child to train them up. And it basically says, and it absolutely says, that if you love your child, you're going to train them. You're going to train them. And I'm going to tell you my opinion right now. People do not love their children because they refuse to train them. Children, and you've heard me say this a lot, we're not animals. We're not. People want to say that all the time. We're animals. Well, we're not really animals. We don't have the DNA structure, the same imprint on our DNA that animals do. In other words... We're not born in the wild. Any human being born in the wild is going to die. Does not care for any baby that's just born in the wild, they're going to die. Any baby that's exposed to the elements in the wild, they're going to die. Understand that. We don't have the capacity to survive like an animal does. We don't have the, the imprinted instincts 
the animals do and how to take care of themselves right away, where to go, what to do, how to hunt, and all those other things. We, we just don't have it. And so when babies are born, they have to be taken care of. And everybody kind of understands that, most people. The vast majority of people understand that. They understand that your baby has to be cared for. A baby, you have to keep them warm. A baby, they have to be fed. A baby, they have to be changed because they poop themselves. It takes years for a baby to be ready to be potty trained. Years. Years. And so you wait for that. And after years and years and years, and they, they finally introduce them to the toilet. Let them, you, know, you read the book to them. Everybody poops. You're hoping they'll get it. They might not. But that's how babies are. And at some point, they'll get it. But it, it, you don't rush that. Not really. And so you've got to change their diaper. You've got to wipe their butt or they get a rash. I mean, and, and, and you feed them. And you take them through a progression of feeding. What you feed them, because that's what they can handle. That's what they can digest. That's the way it is. And, and so we come through all of that. And then babies learn how to talk. Well, how do they learn how to talk? By you talking to them. They're going to put things together as their brain develops. They're not born knowing how to talk. Dogs are born knowing how to bark, okay? Just bark. We're not born knowing how to talk, to communicate. The people around us has to be a learned behavior. We can't even walk. We can't even turn ourselves over. Like a turtle. We don't even have the capacity to do that. And then once we can turn ourselves over, maybe we can crawl. And after we crawl for a while, then maybe we can walk. Are you following what I'm saying? That we understand this up until a certain point. But then all of a sudden there seems to be this idea, this popular notion that, oh, well, let them figure that out on their own. How? They didn't figure out any of it on their own up until that point. How do you just turn them loose? When they're two years old. How do you turn them loose when they're three years old? What, are they going to hop into a car and know how to drive it? What, are they going to know how to ride a bike just instinctually? It's right and printed on their DNA, right? No. No. They don't know how to do anything. And for some reason, we've come to a place in our society, it's like, well, we need to let them make that decision. No, you don't, actually. They don't know how to make that decision. Well, they don't want to do that today. Too bad. They're not in a position to make that decision. And if I, I, hopefully I'm making sense to some of you because it's important for you to understand this in order to understand what this is saying in the Bible. We have a father that wants to grow us, mature us, discipline us, teach us, educate us, and help us as we grow up. Because that's what parents do. Our Father doesn't just set us off at a certain point in our spiritual maturity like wild animals. Figure it out. No. It's not figure it out. It's not. You ever see kids wearing weird stuff to school? Like mismatched socks or stuff that doesn't match, right? Well, that's what they wanted to wear. Seriously? Maybe you should teach them how to match their clothes. Maybe you should teach them how to dress. Maybe you should help them out because their shoes are on backwards. They got the left on the right foot and the right on the left foot. You can't let a kid go out like that. Well, I guess you do. That's what they wanted to wear. No. They need to learn how to match their clothes. They need to learn how to dress. Our Father wants to take care of us. Our Father wants to teach us not only the basics, but he wants to teach us how to live. And so, it seems foolish, and I'm going to say that, it seems foolish to me that I've had to spend the last five minutes talking about what I've been talking about. It seems like foolishness. And yet, I know it's not. I know it's not. Because I know some of us don't have a concept of what I'm talking about. I wasn't allowed to call adults whatever I wanted to call them. Did you know that? Maybe you were. I wasn't. I still struggle 
and I'm 55 years old. I struggle with an older adult to call them by their first name. Still. Still. Because I was trained to do that. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. I'm not upset about that. I'm not angry about that. And eventually, after I know somebody for a while, I call them by their first name. Even Mary's dad. Yes, that's right. I call him Steve. Yep, right to his face. Yep. And he expects that. At this point in our relationship, I've known the man over 30 years. And that's the way it goes. guess what I'm trying to say is, is that somebody trained me to do that. And I was a wild animal of a child. And I, I, I'm not exaggerating one bit. I was. And it was a work of discipline and a work that was not easy to corral that just so I could go to school. But they did. They did it. They did it. And I know that if I was born 20 years later, I'd have been on some kind of drugs to go to school. I know it. But somehow, some way, these uneducated hicks in the back country of the swamp of South Carolina, and I won't go into how they did it, but they figured out a way, figured out a way to help me out. And they did. And there were lessons that I learned through that time that stick with me to this day. I'm not mad about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm not even scarred emotionally about it. Not at all. It was the thing to do. Because they cared about me and they loved me. And I know that. They taught me how to speak appropriately because they loved me. They taught me how to keep a beat. And, and they taught me how to play musical instruments because they loved me. They taught me how to address adults and to carry on a conversation because they loved me. They taught me how to work on things and to work on a car or work around the house or be able to fix my own bicycle because they loved me. They taught me how to make certain foods and how to take care of myself. They taught me how to do wash and hang up clothes or use a dryer because they loved me. They taught me how to shop at a grocery store because they loved me. And when I was old enough, they taught me how to drive because they loved me. They didn't want anything from me. They didn't make me do the family laundry. They didn't make me drive other people around. They didn't do any of those things. They just loved me, and they wanted me to have certain skills and certain things in my life. My grandfather took me with him so that I could see what he did when he'd go to visit people in their homes or go visit people in the hospital because he loved me. That's how you train people, because you care about them, and you train them, and you love them. Well, that's what our Father wants to do in our life. Now, if you didn't have an experience like that growing up, or you didn't have an experience like that with the people that, that, that raised you or that were part of your life, then you're missing a key component of what the Father wants to do in your life, what He's trying to do in your life. The very thing that you may be resisting in your life is the very love that He's showing you in order to train you and help you. Because that's what He wants to do. He didn't set you free. He didn't, he didn't just turn... Turn you loose to do whatever you think is best. Because you don't know what's best. You think you do, but you don't. Five-year-old Andy thought he knew what was best, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that wasn't true at all. That was not true at all. And, and there were certain things that I thought were best that could have gotten me killed. Well, there's certain things that you think are best. And I know you're an adult. I know most of you adults, all of you are adults here, sorry. All of you are adults. And, and I know you think you know what's best, but can you be humble enough to know you don't? Could you? Could you be humble enough to know that the Father's ways are better than yours? Could you be humble enough to put yourself in a position that, yeah, God, I want to learn from you. 
because you know better than I do. Your ways are better than mine. Your ways are higher. Your words are better. Everything is just better. I want to learn from you. Can you put yourself, humble yourself enough to be in that position? The fact that God is training you, the fact that God is looking out for you, the fact that God is teaching you and, and He is disciplining you and all the rest of those things that go along with training, that it just proves how much He loves you. That proves it. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's not a negative. It's a positive. It's God saying, yeah, this is, this is my love for you. And it's how He shows His love. One of the ways that He shows His love. And, and the, the writer here in Deuteronomy goes on just a little bit further and he says this, and he describes it even further. He says, it's just like, in my Bible it said that, just like parents train their children. And so in case you didn't understand the context of him saying that the Father is going to train you, the Father is going to teach you, the Father wants the best for you, that's what God has for your life, he, he, he defines it even more clearly, as he goes on, he says, just like, like what? Parents train their children. All right, well, step one, understand how parents are supposed to train their children. Understand that first. And then, moving on from there, moving forward from there, understanding this is how parents train their children. All right, this is how my father wants to train me. Well, that wasn't my experience as a child. Get a new experience. Time for a new experience. Time for a new experience. You see, parents train their children out of necessity. Even if they don't love them, and, and I'm not saying yay or nay to that, I'm just saying even if they don't really love their children, they'll train them to a certain point out of necessity. And our society requires that. Alright? So in other words, if you don't do anything with your child when they're a little baby, what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. What's going to happen if you don't take care of them as they're trying to grow up and, and they're really little before they go to school and all that? If you don't take care of them, they're going to die. They're going to be malnourished. They're, they're going to suffer. And people are going to notice that and you're going to get in trouble because our society requires you to train your children necessity our father trains us out of love he just loves us and and most parents you know and I want to say the vast majority and I hope I'm right about that they train their children because they love them I hope I'm right that they will train their children because they love them and that's what our father does he trains us because he loves us and the love that he shows us as he's training us, people use that verse, the one we read in Proverbs, they use that verse like, well, spare the rod. Well, the rod wasn't what you probably think of the rod as. And it probably isn't the same thing as what you would picture it to be. But I'll tell you this about our Father, that he trains us in mercy he trains us in love and reformation reformation is always the goal discipline has no purpose unless it produces something right that's the only purpose that it really has in God's economy it needs to produce something right so in other words we'll go through something and and instead of getting angry about it or judgmental or bitter or whatever it is, however you kick against the goats, whatever your thing is, but instead of doing all that, to really look at it and say, what can I learn from this and, and grow from it? That's why it's really happening. And so you can grow from it, so you can learn from it, so you can move forward. If you discipline your child because your child keeps touching hot things and you keep disciplining that child, but they keep touching hot things. I'll tell you something. Something wrong with your concept of the discipline. Alright? 
Because the goal of discipline, the goal of correction, the goal of, of speaking into whatever that situation is, is to stop the harmful behavior. That's what you need to do. To whatever that means and whatever that behavior is. And so God is looking in our lives and He's saying, okay, well, my child, I want, I want my child to grow in this area, so here's the circumstance and this is my teaching and this is what I have for him or her to learn. Okay. Now, if you're participating in that, you're open to that, you're listening, you're looking, you're receiving all of that, it's going to go a lot better and a lot faster than if you're trying your hardest to ignore him the whole time because you just want to do what you want to do. It's going to go a lot better that if you're participating in his teaching and you're participating in his will for your life than if you're just, you're just constantly, constantly squinting your eyes and shutting your eyes as hard as you can in order not to hear or not to see or not to know. And then justifying your stubbornness through your bitterness. Change doesn't come easy. The bottom line is, I started with this, you can trust Him. Know in your heart you can trust Him. No matter what happens, you can trust Him. No matter what it seems like today, you know you can trust Him. No matter what situation comes up, you can trust Him. No matter where it seems like you're heading, you can trust Him. And so what's our response? Somebody look at Proverbs 3.11. Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and the Father, the Son, he delights in. Yeah. Wow. And so look at what it says, though. It says, don't despise it, Right? Well, why would he have to say that? Because it's human nature. It's human nature. It's like little kids. What little kids really like to be disciplined? They just want to do what they want to do, right? You're two or three years old. You want to do what you want to do. And that, that's all there is to it. And so you're disciplined. You might not like it in the moment, but it, that's just the way it is. That's the human condition. And that's why it says it in that, those verses. You don't, don't despise that. Because as a, a person that's not two or three years old, physically, physically, you can make an adult decision. You can make a better decision than a two or three year old to be led around by your emotions. Or to be led around by, oh, well, I don't understand why this is going on. I'm blah. That's a two or three year old reaction to something. Well, your brain is more developed, I hope than a two or three year old. Your emotional stability is more developed than a two or three year old. And even so if you're put in a situation where you don't understand something, that is not an invitation to throw a fit. That is not an invitation to stomp your feet and to get all mad about something. It's not. That is not your invitation to act like a jerk. It's not your invitation to take it out on the people around you. It's not your invitation to start screaming in a room full of people like a two-year-old might or a three-year-old might. It's not. You can make a better decision than that. We all can. Every one of us. And so, as we read in there, it's like, our Father loves us. You better know that in your heart. Our Father loves us. And he corrects and he teaches and he disciplines children, his sons, his daughters that he loves. That's what he does. Know that in your heart. So know it in your heart that there may be things that come your way that you don't understand in the moment. It's okay. He loves you. He's caring for you. And this is a manifestation of his care and his love over your life. It's how it works. Know it in your heart. What does it mean, know it in your heart? It means you consider it, frequently think about it, weigh it in your mind, and deliberately consider that in your life on a regular basis. That is where we started, doesn't it? And that 
is what God has for us as far as preparation to grow. He's trustworthy. He is. He's trustworthy. He's worthy of your faith. He is. And so, you read that verse there, and you start seeing some attributes in that verse that God would have us to, to take hold of. Somebody else read Hebrews 12.5. Hebrews 12.5 And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard life as the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. Alright. What does the word wary mean to you? Worn out. Is it weary or weary? Weary. Is it weary or weary? Weary. Oh, weary. I thought you said wary. Yeah, weary is tired, Right? Worn out. So why do you think he says that? I'll get burnt out by him. Uh, why would you get burned out? It's the fighting part. It's the fighting part that wears you out. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you've ever been in any kind of combat sport, you look at it and you're like, why don't he just keep punching? Like, in a, like if you're watching a boxing match or you're watching MMA or something, you're watching, it's like, all right, they get a certain point and they just start clinching or they're just, you know, they're just dancing around looking at each other. It's like, why don't they keep punching? I can answer that question for you because they're tired. Because you get worn out fighting all the time. Well, yeah, even, well, even like uh, grappling. In grappling, there's positions that you put yourself in to protect yourself when you're tired. And you can rest in those positions. And there's like a turtle or something, and that's something you can use. Yeah, so you, you put yourself into a turtle, and you get you get all your parts in, so you're not going to get, you know, hopefully, they're not going to choke you or get any part of you to, to, to tear it off of you. And so you, you take a few seconds and you rest. And that's just what people do, because they, they don't have the physical stamina to keep going. Well, we got this issue with God. He's He's disciplining us, he's teaching us, he's training us, and if you're fighting against that, that's going to take a lot more effort, that's going to take a lot more of your energy than if you just go limp and go with it. Because, I mean, you're going to waste so much effort in fighting. Especially against the living God of the universe. Fight, 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 fight. For what? Your own demise? You're going you're gonna to duke it out with the God of the universe so you can prove that you're a jerk? I mean, seriously? Oh, I want to live like a complete jerk, so I'm going to fight it out with the God of the universe, so I, I got the right to be a jerk. Yep. It gets weary, man. It gets weary. Makes us weary. We're some. So, there's something to be said for going limp when it comes to our Father's discipline that we just receive, that we just trust, that we just believe, we accept, we apply, and we grow. Because that's how it happens. God, He calls us to be patient because no training takes place instantaneously. But educating and, and Training take place over time. And there are certain things that have to be endured for us to be trained. Certain things have to be endured for us to grow. Certain things have to be endured for us to learn. And the process by which God puts us through needs to be, and this may be the most important thing I say tonight, needs to be respected by you. It needs to be respected. This process is important. It isn't haphazard. It isn't optional. It isn't something that we pick and choose what we're going to like or not like. It is to be respected that the Father, our Father, loves us enough 
cares for us enough, is looking out for us enough to correct us and train us himself. As a father trains his son. And that is to be respected. may not be understood, but it's to be respected. You may not agree with it, but it's to be respected. Because all of these things are signs of a fatherly love toward you. I don't know about your dad, your earthly dad. I have no idea. Maybe he was a nice guy, but maybe you don't respect him. I have no idea. Or maybe he wasn't a nice guy, and you don't respect him. Or maybe he was the greatest guy that ever walked the face of the earth, and the best dad ever, and you respect him. So I'll get out. I don't know. But whoever he was and is, he's not your Heavenly Father. And your Heavenly Father is perfect he never makes a mistake and he's worthy of your trust worthy of your faith and worthy of your love and he's definitely definitely worthy of your respect definitely and so you and I we can respect the process by which he shows his love toward us through teaching us and training us and recognizing it for what it is. Anybody have any comments you'd like to make? Any questions? I mean, even even you think about like kids in school, absolutely, absolutely disrespectful. Some of them uh, disrespectful of themselves, of others, of other students, teachers, administrators. They don't care, absolutely. But I mean, even even more subtle things too, like they carry on a conversation with someone. Yeah, I know many adults that can't carry on conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, you work with high school kids? High school kids. Yeah.
Absolutely. And having that capacity within us. Mm-hmm. Right. Just thought of like 18 different examples of that, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, because how else do we learn? I mean, it's really a good thing that has, because of whatever our experience has been, turned into something that's bad. Because it's not. It's really a good thing. It's a sign of love when it's done in love. It really is. And, And we know God does it, that His ways are loving, and that's what He does. Right. But I mean, it's so beneficial the way you teach and to get us to change our mind about these things is wonderful. Right. Yeah. One statement I remember growing up was buy your books, send it to school, and you're still dumb. Um, my father would say that all the time. Anytime you did something that he didn't think you were being smart about doing. Yeah. And So let's pray for that. Uh, if you need a change of heart or a change of mind, I just want you to pray for that tonight. Let's take a few moments. You pray for that. Pray for that for yourself. And there's certain things you need to know. You need to know God loves you. You know He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your obedience. He's worthy of your love. He's worthy of your faith. You need to know that. And you need to know that when He corrects something or He teaches you something, trains you in something, it's in love and for the best. Embrace it. Know it in your heart. Participate in it. Because life is so much better when you're not kicking against the goads. It's time to just come along with him just like Paul he had to come along with him just come along with him thank you God now we pray a simple prayer tonight and that is uh, that we would know in our hearts that you're worthy we'd know in our hearts that you love us We'd know in our hearts that you want the best for us. We'd know in our hearts that you're looking out for us. That you you love us so much. Regardless of our circumstance. And regardless of how we're perceiving anything. We'd know in our hearts. Maybe settled in our hearts. That we would consider it. We'd mull it over. We'd think about it. We'd deliberately take time to consider how worthy you are and how much you love us. Let's pray, God, we'd choose to participate with you in our growth, in our life, and in change over our lives.
Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. Ask it in Jesus' name. Screw by saying amen. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know. He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah. 